Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Welcome to Red vs. Blue, Friday Night Football, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high-stakes football. I'm joined by the big blue coat from Brandenburg, Kentucky. Michael Trent. Mike, what's going on tonight? Hey, not much, man. Uh, you doing all right? Kind of sound coming down the dumps, man. Everything going all right? I've got about... Things going on here, man. Trying to uh, get this thing working right. I've got, I don't, I don't know. It's an audio video, uh, audio nightmare here. I've got uh, half a dozen different devices here trying out lots of different toys. But uh, hey, look, we're hey. just gonna, we're gonna go old school, man. We're just gonna go old school. That's that's what I'm saying. All those bells and whistles, Scott. Uh, you know, you can try them all the all you want, and at the end of the day. You might as well break out a uh, number two pencil and a piece of paper and see what happens. We have a lot to get to tonight. We have the Dynasty Football World Championship waivers that are processing as we speak. We're going to look if there's any kind of where the Dynasty World Championship participants are, are picking up guys tonight. Who's who's the interesting picks? Who are the guys that are being dropped? We'll be looking at that tonight. We've got a huge, serious XM Fantasy Sports draft that we participated in. Uh, trying out the Roto Bowl format, the Roto Bowl, um, basically, uh, World Championship. And then we're, uh, we've got a special guest tonight, Mark Vigley from BrutoBoys.com. So we've got a lot to get to, Mike. And there are a couple of games going on here right now that we're going to kind of peek into a little bit as we as we uh, check out tonight. I've got the chat room here, the crew, Red versus Blue, some of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football, Henry Muto, IPS driver, Taz, the big Cali. That's Matt DeLima, Urinal Minute. Brothers Mayhem, welcome to Red vs. Blue tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun. FFToolbox.com, home of the Fantasy Football World Championships, Roto Bowl, the Dynasty Football World Championship, and newly, the Mock Draft World Championship. Mike, have you tried out the Mock Draft World Championship yet? It's pretty addicting from what I can tell. The order's coming in. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun for folks, and it looks like it's something new that we've never seen before. Yeah, you know, uh, one thing that that I learned uh, myself uh, drafting in uh, mid stakes and high stakes leagues was how am I gonna how am I gonna compete with uh, some of the best of the best? Well, I've got the mock draft, and that's the best way to do it, Scott. And you know, I, I I've never tried it. I haven't or I haven't done this particular one, but. Uh, Going into uh, big leagues, I mean, that's the best way to do it. To, you know, just do mock draft, mock draft, over and over and uh, over and again. And you'll figure out where you stand. And uh, you might have a player that you thought should be at, uh, say, 2-5, when in reality, they're maybe at 3-5. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a perfect way to uh, evaluate your uh, system and the way you want to go about it. 
347-324-5404 is the number. We've got so much to get to. I'm going to hop right to it, Mike. We do have four games in progress right now, Buffalo, Minnesota, KC, San Fran, New England and Tampa Bay, New Orleans and Oakland. A quick recap, uh, Buffalo, Minnesota. Buffalo's been looking pretty good. Not much going on offensively, really, for either team. KC, San Fran, Gord popped off a 50-yarder, and they kind of set him down said, okay, you're fine. <laughs> uh not much else going on in that game. New England, Tampa Bay, Brady starts feeding Amendola, and we see what he's about. He's not just receptions. He can catch touchdowns. Looks like a very potent player to grab six catches. That's what you do when you're, when you're Tom Brady's favorite new toy. You, you get six catches and a touchdown in the first quarter. So, And then New Orleans, Oakland, Mike, uh, my boy Kenny Stills. Uh, we got a shout-out to my boy Jim Day, a.k.a. Fancy Taz, he was on Kenny Stills a long time. When we were talking Joe Morgan, he was talking Kenny Stills, and it uh, looks like it's going to pay off for one Jim Day. Kenny Stills looks pretty good, already has a touchdown catch tonight, four for 64 and a touchdown, Mike. Yeah, you know, and uh, Oakland Raiders, I mean, you never know. There's, there's going to be a lot of different things going on with that team, uh, and so, uh, you know, it's just a maturation of the different players that's going to uh, just going to help them develop. And it's it's a team to watch. It's a team that I and a lot of players on that team that I don't think are going to be uh, uh, fantasy relevant. To be honest with you, I mean here or there maybe so, but uh, you never know down the stretch. Yeah, we we thought maybe a Steve Breston might be able to make an impact or. Uh... Gosh, you know, it's just you never know what's going to happen on New Orleans because they've got lots of deep threats. That's what New Orleans likes to do. Who is my who's my other guy that I, I like on New Orleans, Mike? Who's the uh, who's the kid? Uh, Nick Toon, my boy Al Toon's son. Nick Toon, he's kind of a bigger guy. He's not really a slot receiver, a typical. He's not any kind of slot receiver, and they were going to try him in the slot, and they said, no, no, no. Kenny Stills is a nice slot receiver, so I think we're going to see a lot more of him. Last night's games, Mike, Baltimore looked really impressive, and I talked about this on Sirius XM the other day. Torrey Smith, I said, will they reinvent Torrey Smith? I also, we also brought this up on the Hangout with uh, our very own Ben Standing. I said, uh-huh. if, we, if it's the same old Torrey Smith, it's just going to be – if they learn how to use Torrey Smith in other ways, I think that's what they have to do. And last night we saw them use him in different ways, and he got loose, he got out, he took off, yeah. and then 77 yards later, Torrey Smith's speed – uh, is a touchdown to the house, Mike. I like the fact that Torrey Smith is probably a little undervalued right now because we think of him as a deep threat. But I think what's going to happen, we're going to probably see him get used in a different way now that the offense is in shambles. Well, you know what, Scott? I, he may be uh, undervalued. Well, he was probably undervalued until last night. And yep. after last night, I mean, that, that just blew all the doors open because – he looked really good, and uh, let's face it, Joe Flacco, he's not going to put up big numbers as a, as a fantasy quarterback, but when you're looking at a wide receiver like Torrey Smith, trying to find somebody that you need uh, that you need to fill in as a solid wide receiver, Torrey Smith could be that guy because they're, they're, they're weak at wide receiver and they're weak in a lot of positions. Uh, they've got Torrey Smith. They've got Ray Rice. So, uh, you know, it's obvious that uh, Joe Flacco and Torrey Smith are hooking up and hooking up early. Torrey Smith with a high-stakes ADP of 59 right now in the rotable format. You can find that high-stakes ADP over at fftoolbox.com. We keep that updated as the draft progress, and we're going to look at the uh, serious XM draft that we all participated in. But I want to get through these other NFL games uh, Atlanta Falcons last night. Look, Steven Jackson started off in the mud the last week. This week he looked a whole lot better. He didn't look nearly as slow. That eight carry, 42 yards, popped off an 11-yard run. And then again, Julio Jones, uh, big play monster. A lot of folks are saying get Julio Jones early in the second round if you can, if you're lucky enough to. He's a guy that very likely is one of the big playmakers. If you can pair him up with another one of your first-round picks, you have a very good foundation to pretty much do whatever you want to do in the rest of the draft. I've been thinking about it, Mike. If I could get a running back in the first round, you know, with one of the big names, there's plenty of them out there. If I could come back and get a Julio, a Marshall, or an A.J. Green, or a Des, Des will probably be a first-rounder. 
But if we can get a Julio in the second, so if I'm if I'm near the turn, like a ten pick or a nine pick, and I can and I can pull off one of those running backs, and if Julio falls back to me, I can do anything in the draft, man. I'm real excited to be able to get my hands on Julio uh, in the second round. Should be a very big year for him. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I agree with you. Uh, how would you feel with a uh, say a Marshawn Lynch and a Julio or a Marshawn Lynch and a AJ Green? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I, I'm just a fan of who – I think Julio uh, is just a bigger playmaker. A.J. Green can do a lot on the field. I just think big plays, I think that's the time for Julio Jones. A lot of touchdowns. When you're comparing the offenses, Atlanta versus um, Cincinnati, you know, you've got a lot more yards to go around in Atlanta and probably a lot more touchdowns too. So I'm excited to see Julio. We do have the Roddy injury. We want to keep an eye on that. It doesn't look like it's a difference maker. It looks like it's a very small box story. You know, we talk about that on the Google Hangout at FF Toolbox. We say, is it a big box story, um, a, a medium box story, or a small box, or is it a no box at all? I, want, I, I don't want to overreact to the Roddy White injury. But, Mike, if Roddy White were to go down with an injury, how high would you take Julio Jones? Uh, that would make Julio Jones uh, a whole lot higher. And I tell you what, in my opinion, that makes Tony Gonzalez, wow, through the roof. Okay, you say Tony Gonzalez. Does that make Julio Jones the number two wide receiver in the draft if Ronnie White were to go down? No, no, no. I, I, I still say Des Bryant is right there. Okay, all right. I, I disagree. I, I mean, I, if if Roddy were to go down with an injury, I think Julio becomes the unquestioned uh, 1-1-A with Calvin Johnson. I would love to see that. Kevin Ogletree with a touchdown from Mike Glennon, uh, the Tampa Bay game. That's, uh, that's interesting. Tampa Bay does get on the board with the rookie quarterback, Mike Glennon. Uh, Mike, let's move on to the game that everybody's talking about, Detroit and Cleveland. And here we go. Cleveland's Jordan Cameron. Look, this is the reason why if you're a if you're a fantasy mind and you have fantasy on the brain all the time, I say draft early. I know you've got the injury risk and you've got all that, but guys like Jordan Cameron are what happens in the preseason. Once they have a big play, they have a big game, the secret is out. No longer are you going to enjoy Jordan Cameron at the high stakes ADP of pick 132 uh, in the 12th round, Mike. It's not going to happen. Those days are over. And now he's, I saw her, I heard last night he crept up into the seventh round, uh, in the ninth round. You know, it's over. The, the secret is out. He's a big tight end. He's, he's got a big frame. He's, got a, he's going to be the type of guy that catches a lot of touchdowns. I'm not too convinced that he's a high PPR guy yet, but he could be. I'm still very, very still out because that yeah. offense, anything is possible when you have North Turner in that offense, okay? So that's what he does. Jasninski, they have what? a big, they have the tight end. Now you're not going to get him, Mike. That's my that's my counter argument. All the guys that uh, talk about well, drafting in the preseason you know, with the injuries, the secret is out now on Jordan Cameron. One of the, one of two things are going to happen with uh, Mr. Cameron. Uh, either he's going to be a stud, he's going to he's going to make a big splash. He's going to continue through week one, two, three, four, and uh, continuously throughout this NFL season, or he's going to be an over three. And I, let's hope he's not an Ogle tree. But the, okay. the kid's got all the talent. Do what? Okay, I'm listening. I mean, uh, the kid's got all the talent in the world. Uh, the one thing that I was more impressed with than anything was the way that uh, uh, Witten, I mean, the, the guy looks really good in the pocket. I mean, he re- he really looks good. So I, I'm I'm impressed by that. So, I mean, I'm not uh, Cameron. I can buy for a little bit, but uh, not so much right now. Yeah, he's almost 30 years old. He's 29, and he's got a great offensive coordinator there in Chud. We already have Whedon as the 22nd-ranked quarterback at FF Toolbox, right behind Ryan Tannehill and above guys like Jake Locker and Alex Smith. We think that offense is ready to uh, take that next leap, especially with a healthy Trent Richardson. You get Gordon back from the suspension. We already, had, we already had Jordan Cameron. Uh, look, we only had him slotted for seven touchdowns. You look at last night, you're like, geez, that's a little old. We're not going to move it. We're not going to do it on one game. But it is nice to see it. And we had him slotted for 57 receptions, seven touchdowns. That put him at ninth overall 
we were one of the very few sites. I think Scout Pro with Nelson Souza, I think their site had them at 10th overall. Uh, but that that was kind of high. And so to see this happen, I'm just a little bummed out about it. I hate when my guys go early. I only participated in two dynasty. I'm not to tell my own horn here. I only participated in two dynasty startups all all year. George McLean's at Fantasy Freaking Football, and uh, and the other uh, Leather Helmet League, run by Paul Maley. And I took Jordan Cameron in both of those leagues. Got him really late. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, so, you know, you're already getting offers. I, I was offered – I'd like to hear this offer in the chat room, Mike. I was offered Corderwell Patterson for Jordan Cameron last night. Corderwell Patterson wow. for Jordan Cameron last night. I would like to find some feedback in the chat room from some of the, the, the real dynasty pros. I would, I would stand to have with Patterson myself. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Drake Cabell uh, got some little play last night. Didn't really show flash much. Reggie Bush, though – in that offense, we're talking about, look, 60, 70, maybe even 80 catches for this guy. It's going to be crazy. He had five catches uh, on the, in the preseason game and just a little bit under a half. So this is what we expected out of Reggie Bush. Not a lot of yards on the ground probably, but he will be a PPR monster, and that's kind yeah, of far from well, the course. Yeah, you know, absolutely, Scott, especially in that, in that offense that they use uh, with Matt Stafford. Uh, he likes to spread, uh, and Reggie Bush – I think he'd rather uh, catch the ball in the backfield than run the ball, to be honest with you. So that's going to set up perfect for him. Yeah. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest for this evening, Mark Caviglia from BrunoBoys.com. What's happening, my man? Not much, Scott. Just happy to be on the show. It's great to have football season back and talk fantasy football on a nightly basis. A lot of games going on right now. Um, Everyone's getting fired up for the weekend. A lot of drafts starting. Just excited to be here. Mark, meet Mike. Mike, meet Mark. Hey, Mark, one thing about it, football never left. That's for sure. It, football it, it never goes away, man. You know, it's funny. Uh, you know, just 10 years ago, it, it used to be that way. But, uh, hey, Mark, glad to have you on uh, Red versus Blue and uh, looking for a great year, man. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Nice to meet you as well, Mike. And you're right, football season never does leave for us guys that are diehards and uh, – but now we actually got some games that are being played, people in new, you know, players in new uniforms and uh, getting our brain wrapped around things even more to get people ready for the season. Mark Caviglia from BrunoBoys.com is with us. Mark, we're talking about the preseason before we get to what you guys got going on over there. There's two other games that happened last night, Carolina and Philadelphia. We did get to see a little bit more of this Mike Vick-Nick Foles battle here. Vick goes nine for 10, 105 and a pick. And Nick Foles looks pretty good, but he does get picked off. Six for eight for 53. Who's winning this battle in your mind, and who's going to be the opening day starter? Yeah, I think it's going to be Michael Vick. I think that Chip Kelly has a, a way of trying to light a fire under Vick. I mean, we've, we've watched his act the last couple of years, and it hasn't been very good. And it seems like this preseason he showed up and he's brought his age, and I believe he's only had one incomplete pass. Uh, he looked pretty precise, made some good decisions last night. And, you know, Nick Foles is a – a pretty good quarterback as well. Tracked him a lot at the University of Arizona. Um, but I, I just think Vic is going to be better for the team, better for the offense. And, you know, he's a guy that uh, he has to get it done this year or he could be a career backup after, uh, you know, if he can't materialize into anything this season. Deshaun Jackson is another player on that team that seems to be going up. The high stake ADP has him at pick 85. What is that? Uh, what is it, seven, you know, about the seven, late seventh round there, some, somewhere in the seventh. I've seen him go a little bit earlier than that. What do you think about Deshaun Jackson? Is he somebody we can trust this year? Because he seems like a, a hot, cold type of player. Good in draft master, but not so much in head-to-head league. I'm not a big fan of Deshaun Jackson. One-trick pony. He catches the long ball or he doesn't get you anything. I mean, you look at his career, and he's only hauling in about uh, 51% of his career targets, and you know, we all know Vic isn't the most accurate quarterback, and I don't see Jackson doing much from a consistent basis this year. Hey, maybe the stats are going to be better than the 700 yards and two touchdowns we, we saw last year, but realistically, he's going to get a lot of his fantasy production in two or three games, and that that isn't ideal when you're playing in a week-to-week basis. So, Mark, uh, basically uh, what you're saying, uh, and I love your uh, breakdown right now, uh, let, let's just keep talking about the Eagles as uh, uh, Shady, LaShawn McCoy. Uh, how's he stand up right now? You know, he's a guy that I'm actually torn on. I watched him play uh, yesterday, 
uh, live, and then I went and watched some film on him too. And he looked good yesterday in the offense, scored a touchdown. But I think he's only as good as Vic plays. If Vic doesn't go out there or Foles doesn't go out there and really get it done, I mean, I don't know if we can really trust McCoy to be a five running back like a lot of people are hoping he can become again. But at the end of the day, I still feel he's a low-end running back number one. He does a good job of catching the ball out of the backfield. He had 54 catches last year on 67 targets, I believe, you know, 48 the year before. And I think he was over 70 catches in 2010. So, I mean, he's going to get his points. He's ideally a better running back in PPR play, in my opinion. But I wouldn't go and say, like, hey, this guy's going to get back to 2010 status or 2011. Yeah. Mark, this is uh, we talk about this on Red versus Blue quite quite a bit. That's why we like guys like you, sites like ours, the small mom and pop sites, shops like Bruno Boys and FF Toolbox, and all of the fantasy world. We're the fantasy freaks. We're the diehards. I was watching ESPN, listening to Tim Hasselbeck, and man, I'm, it's just really making me just want to call, go through the screen. They're sitting there talking about, hey, in my ten team league, I, I, I can't wait to get my hands on the Sean McCoy in the second round. What is, when somebody says, doesn't that just anger you? I mean, doesn't that disappoint you that that's the fantasy coverage we get on television? Yeah, you know, I mean, those big-time companies, you know, especially ESPN, you know, they got the dollars to spend to make themselves viral and get themselves out there. But at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer that if you want to be somebody in this fantasy football industry as a player, you have to come to the sites like Toolbox and Bruno Boys and the other ones out there that – are going to give you the real information, give you the nuggets that are needed to be successful and not just the surface-level stuff that any any Joe Blow could tell you. Well, doesn't, uh, you know, and I appreciate that, Mark, but doesn't uh, our insight of fantasy sports cut into their insight of of what's really going on? I mean, let's face it, without uh, fantasy fantasy, uh, football and gambling, I don't know where the NFL would be right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point you bring up. I mean, it's it's the truth. I mean, you look at what these NFL teams and these franchises are doing because of fantasy football and because they know a large part of their audience are big gamblers. They're actually changing the way they build their stadiums. I'm out here in San Francisco, and Jed York, the president of the 49ers, he's building a multi-million-dollar media center in the stadium that's catered to fantasy football so that – they know and they can guarantee that their fans that are diehard football players and diehard social media junkies are going to be able to get their fix at the games. You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, they turned a lot of their suites this year into a fantasy football uh, bar and bar type, uh, you know, suite that's going to be fit 500 TVs, 500 computers, and, you know, really give the fans the experience that they want outside of just watching the game. Mark Cavigli from Primoboys.com. We've got the uh, the Carolina and Philly game we just we were just talking about. San Diego and Chicago kind of tussled last night. And another guy that I know you guys are high on over at Bruno Boys is Alshon Jeffrey. Talk about talk about Jeffrey and what he brings to the table. You know, I just uh, I've always had a uh, thing for Alshon Jeffrey ranging back to the college days at South Carolina. You look at him and he's a big physical receiver. He can get down the field. He can out jump guys plays with a little bit of swagger and attitude. And what we like about him is the Mark Tressman offense. You know, Tressman obviously comes from the CFL, a little bit different over there, but he was an experienced coordinator, and the Bears put – they're going to put points up on the boards under Tressman. If you dig deeper into the stats, I believe it's something like when he – as a coordinator in the NFL, the second receiver on the team in which Tressman coordinated for – was always low-end wide receiver two, wide receiver number three status. And uh, I'm not saying that Jeffrey can get that high, but at his current ADP, you could get a pretty good reward for the selection of him this year. Brandon Marshall, it wouldn't surprise anybody, I don't think, to get uh, his 100 balls again. Do you think that people are kind of underestimating Marshall? Because when we're seeing guys like A.J. Green and Des Bryant who want to be Brandon Marshall, do you think – do you think they, they – is it just the injuries that we're worried about? Why do you think people are just pushing Marshall down to that 4-5 range? You know, I think it's a combination of injuries as well as just, you know, Marshall's not a guy that over the past couple of years has been in the limelight. You know, he was suspended earlier in his career. And he had some issues uh, off the field a couple of years ago in Miami. But he's been pretty uh, level-headed in Chicago 
and we haven't seen them as much as, let's say, the Des Bryant of the world or the Calvin Megatron Johnsons of the world because, you know, they're not, you know, they're, well, Megatron just gets it done. He's so damn good. Everyone wants to talk about him. Des Bryant always has some issue with Jerry Jones or whatnot that gets him the attention. But you look at Brandon Marshall, 118 receptions last year, 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns, and the offense is now going to be even more precise and high-powered this year. I mean, Marshall could catch 130 balls this year, and he had 192 targets last year. He could go over 200 targets this year. To me, in PPR leagues, Brandon Marshall is the number two wide receiver ahead of Des Bryant, ahead of Demarius Thomas, and right up there with Calvin Johnson. Wow. On the other side, we also have on the run game, Matt Forte, another guy that seems to be undervalued. People are taking their uh, their stabs with with other uh, other players. He's going sometimes as late as uh, you know two three two four. But Forte last night eight for seventy four the touchdown pulls off the fifty eight yarder and uh, you you start to think to yourself am I am I down on Matt Forte for really no reason? Michael Bush is back to get kind of vulture the goal line carries. Is that the only reason to be down? And where where would you draft him? Yeah, uh, I have Matt Forte right now as my running back eleven. I think he's a top end of the second round guy, uh, maybe a, in the first round in a 14 team league. You know, I agree with you. I mean, Forte has looked good in the preseason, and if it wasn't for Michael Bush taking his touchdowns, he would be a top five pick. I think it was just two years ago in which everyone was talking about Forte uh, being the uh, you know top five pick, and he didn't really put together a big season. But I see an increase in uh, pass catches from him. Had 44 last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets back into the 50 to 60 range that we saw earlier in his career, and I'm high on him. I like the entire Chicago Bears offense. You know, you look at the NFC North, that's six games against the Packers, the Vikings, and the Lions, and usually when these teams match up against each other, there's some high-scoring football games going on. How's, uh, hey, Mark, how's uh, uh, Chicago's offensive line looking? Pretty mm. strong? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's pretty hit or miss. Uh you know, ultimately, they've had a lot of problems in that category over the years, and we've seen a lot of Jay Cutler on his back more so than right. uh, upright throwing the football. But, you know, I, I think that they're going to make some adjustments. They're, they brought in some new guys, and you know, Tressman's a, a pretty good offensive-minded coach. And I could see Cutler's sack total going down um, significantly this year, and I could see um, just overall across the board a, a fairly um, – Good increase in production from the entire offense. Mm-hmm. I like the way uh, I like the way Tressman. Uh, I like the way he runs things. Uh, the, the best I can tell. I mean, coming from uh, uh, the CFL to here, uh, but he still loves to throw the ball, and uh, you know, he, he, he's adjusted into this type of uh, throw the ball uh, and run the ball mentality. So uh, it's 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 a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Just long. As long as they can protect the guys behind them. Mark Bigley exactly. from BrunoBoys.com joins us on the other side of the ball, San Diego. There's nobody I feel worse for right now. I mean, it was Joe Flacco. He was devastated with the loss of Pitt, and now Philip Rivers. It just seems like they're this guy can't catch a break. What do you think about uh, Philip Rivers? The entire offense. We've got Matthews and 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 uh, Woodhead to talk about, and then the wide receiver stable. Yeah, I mean, if there's an offense this year that expectations were fairly high on coming into a, the season after a disappointing year, I would say it's the Chargers because they've been known in the fantasy world just to you know, put up tons of stats uh, year over year, and they didn't get it done last year. And now all of a sudden, you know, this year they're already, you know, risking it a little bit by having Denario Alexander be their, you know, number one receiver. Hey, he had a good year last year, but we all know the track record isn't the greatest. He goes down. um, you know, Malcolm Floyd gets banged up. Luckily, he's okay. But now you're looking at it, and you, you need Keenan Allen to step up. You're relying on Vincent Brown staying healthy and actually becoming a somebody. And you're relying on uh, Ryan Matthews to stay healthy uh, and get it done. And, you know, you added Danny Woodhead, which is nice. But, you know, Philip Rivers is a guy that back in uh, May when I first did my 2013 rankings, I, I was looking at him as a bounce-back candidate, and he was in the 15-16 range. Here we are in August and just updated my rankings, and he's down to the 24-25 range because I just don't know what to expect from the offense. Obviously, the talent is there, but if they can't really find an identity 
you know, it could be a long season in San Diego. Surprisingly, though, guys, I do like Ryan Matthews because of mm-hmm. his current ADP. I'm seeing a lot of people shy away from Ryan Matthews, and I'm able to get him in the fifth round of 12-team leagues. And to me, that's just good value because, you know, fifth round, obviously you want to you hit those picks because they help you win the title. And he's a boomer bust guy, but if he booms and he's your running back number three or you waited for him, uh, you waited to get your RB2 in round five and you stacked up on receivers, you got a good tight end like Jimmy Graham or something, you know, now your team's shaping up pretty nicely. This That was a test. See, Mikey passed the test. I was leading him into talking about Ryan Matthews. I just wanted to kind of throw it out there. That's exactly what I was talking about with uh, Rich McClellan-Codecracker uh, today on the phone, Mark. We talked about Ryan Matthews. He was there in the fifth. We just we're, we just keep seeing this guy fall. We're like, you know what? He's a pick that smells bad. I want to hold my nose when I do it. But in the fifth round, what else are you looking for out of a running back? You have you have Hughes outside. You probably have a pretty high floor for that guy. I mean, he is going to play. He is the bell cow running back. Woodhead's not a bell cow. He's going to be involved in PPR like Woodhead. He's a nice player. He's going to be involved and rack up some catches. But Matthews is going to be the bell cow of that offense. Uh, I just think that he's one of those picks you hold your nose and you take him. You're not expecting him to win your lead for you, but I think it's a solid, safe pick in the fifth round. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you look at Ryan Matthews in his career. Obviously, the injury bug's been there, but to get a guy in the fifth round that in 2011 averaged almost 20 touches a game and had over 1,600 total yards and six touchdowns, I mean, that's incredible value. What else we got here? We have Ladarius Green catching a touchdown. This is somebody that only Dynasty guys would know, right, uh, Mark? Ladarius Green, 5 for 78 and a touchdown. I held on to him. I almost cut him uh, this week to pick up um, uh, a guy. Who was I going to pick up? Oh, geez, I can't remember. But I, I lost a bid because I didn't bid enough. I think it was Deion Lewis. Yeah, I was a Trent Richardson owner in this league. I bid a dollar on Deion Lewis. <laughs> somebody else bid like 85. And I almost <laughs> dropped Ladarius Green. That's the funny story that happened in Dynasty. Is there anything to see with this guy? Because everybody's talking. The, the, the people around San Diego were saying, Gates is fine. He's healthier than he's been in a long time. And the feet look okay. So we'll talk about the Gates and, Ladar- and maybe even a Ladarius Green. Yeah, I mean, Antonio Gates uh, is in line for a bounce-back season, if you ask me. I mean, is he going to be the same player that we all grew to love for six or seven years? Absolutely not. But is he going to finish as a tight end, you know, between the 7 to 10 range? I I think he can. Um, And, you know, ultimately San Diego looks like they're going to be playing in some high-scoring football games so he can get the opportunity around the goal line. You know, Gates isn't what he used to be, but he will bring some value, especially where you're grabbing him, you know. Remember the days when we used to have to take Antonio Gates in the second round. Now all of a sudden he's there in the ninth, tenth, eleventh round. The Darius yeah. Green, though, to me, he's a talented guy. I mean, he's five, like you said, five catches last week, seven or yesterday, 78 yards, scores a touchdown. Mismatch problems. He's six six two forty. He stretches the field a little bit, has some good hands. The Chargers were high on him last year when they drafted him out of Louisiana Lafayette. And he has a year of experience under his belt now. Maybe not this year, but dynasty owners, I like what you're saying, Scott. He could be somebody in two or three years. Mike, well, anything about the Green? Mike, ahead, you know anything about a Ladarius Green, Bubba? Do I? You know anything about a Ladarius Green? Yes, I do. I do. And uh, I, but I wanted to comment on the uh, complete uh, AFC West because. It sounds like it's going to be a shootout it, every time they play each other. I'm seeing, a, you know, very little defense and a lot of scoring. And I, I was going to ask Mark about uh, about the fact that it just seems like that, uh, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of scoring in in, in that division. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, like you said, a little bit of defense and a lot of scoring. You look at the, the landscape of what's going on right now, you know, San Diego gives up 33 points last week. You know, obviously, these aren't the starting units the entire game. New Orleans already dropped 23 points in the first half on Oakland. You know, Denver's defense seems to play up and down to their competition, and they seem to, uh, you know, give up points in uh, at times and, you know, get into some games in which you think they're going to blow the other team out, and then they give up two or three scores in the first quarter, and they're playing catch-up. So, I feel that there is going to be a lot of points in this division, and there's going to be some pretty good fantasy players across the board. I mean, you look at Kansas City, 
you know, obviously Jamal Charles moves. He's probably going to sit it out the rest of the preseason. But he's a top running back. Dwayne Bowe's there. Uh, Alex Smith, I think, is going to surprise people and be a, a bi-week plug-in. You know, we talked about the Chargers. The Raiders don't have much. But, uh, you know, Denarius Moore last year had well over 100 targets. They don't have Brandon Myers anymore. So Denarius Moore, to me, is a sleeper wide receiver because he's getting drafted in the ninth and tenth round, and he's probably going to put up low-end wide receiver number two numbers if he can play the entire season. Darren McFadden, a lot of people think he's going to bounce back if the line can hold up and they can throw the ball downfield. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good conference, not maybe in terms of, uh, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl outside of Denver, but from a you know, us fantasy guys, it's going to be a decent one. Well, yeah, from, from a fantasy standpoint, no doubt about it. Guys, we're going to break the uh, break the uh, preseason action and go right into the high stage draft review that we performed on Sirius XM the other night. Mark, uh, I wanted you to take a look at this and give us your feedback. Did you get the link that I sent you? You know, you had sent the original link, but there I didn't have any attachment or link in the uh, the email that was sent there, Scott. Okay, all right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll I'll just I'll just give you the rundown then of what we are looking at in the chat room here. Uh, the the draft started off again. Twelve participants were invited, Ian Ritchie, Nelson Souza, Tim Dano, Eddie Gillis, Mike Santos, Joey Brown, myself, Kim Reslecker, Wayne Ellis, Matt Bailey, Henry Muto, Chris Vaccaro. These are all, most of the guys besides me, big winners, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Bailey won 200000 Vaccaro won 100000 Several of the guys that have played second and third overall in these high-stakes main events, Mark. And so we said, what would people do if they got together and drafted on serious uh, for a rollable mock draft, and these guys all brought their September draft game. It's almost like when September comes and you're sitting at the draft in Vegas, everything you thought you knew gets thrown out the window, and I'm going to tell you why. People take risks. They don't just play to win the league, Mark. They play to win it all. And I'm just going to read down the first round. You tell me what surprises you. Uh, at the one hole, Peterson, then Martin, Charles, Foster at four, Spiller at five, Richardson at six, Calvin at 7, McCoy at 8, Ray Rice at 9, Demarius Thomas at 10, Marshawn Lynch at 11, Chris Johnson at 12. Uh, what do you hear in that first round that kind of stands out to you from a high-stakes perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I say outside of the Demarius Thomas decision and maybe the Chris Johnson at number 12, you know, it's pretty, in my opinion, I've seen a lot of that in the expert in the industry drafts I've had. Um, the thing with Demarius Thomas is, I like him a lot. I've been drafting him, not in the first round, but we don't know exactly how the the Peyton Manning passes are going to be distributed. So ultimately, Demarius Thomas is the guy that's going to, you know, really put together probably the biggest stats and get the most touchdowns outside of maybe Eric Decker. But who knows what's going to happen? Some games Thomas might be blanketed, and we're going to see Welker and Decker combine for 20 catches. So I, I wouldn't go and take that risk early on in that decision. Um, but, you know, like you said, they play to win. The Chris Johnson one is more in line with, uh, you know, got to hit the home run. And the reason why is because we've seen what he was capable of a few years ago. And that Tennessee Titans offensive line has improved significantly. Johnson looked good yep. in the preseason opener. And we could see him get back to 16, 17, 1800 total yards this year. Mike, we talked about this on last week's Red versus Blue yeah. show, Bubba, and, and you said don't overreact to that big run. But I – I kind of agree with Mark. That offensive line has improved significantly. He has a lot of new yeah. toys on the offensive line, and he's happy to run behind them. Yeah. You know, I can't wait to see Chris Johnson run uh, behind that line. Uh, I think he's going to have a fun time with it. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if he's going to get uh, carry the team to, uh, you know, eight, nine wins, but uh, he's going to carry a fantasy team to a lot of points uh, because he's going he's gonna to be able to get this thing done to – uh, this year behind that line. You know, the funny thing is, everybody takes Calvin in the first round, and it makes sense that he goes somewhere. But if you look at the backs like Forte and Chris Johnson now that are climbing, you've got a first round full of RBs. I mean, it's incredible how many running backs, and that's not even including the Alfred Morrises of the world, uh, the Steven Jacksons and the Reggie Bushes that usually go in the second round. A lot of running back talent this year. Now, in the third round, second round was pretty status quo. The third round mark, Stephen really goes at 3-4. Uh, a little bit surprising that he goes that high. And then Shane Vereen goes at 3-12. Talk about those two picks. Really, in, at 3-4, four, 
Shane Vereen at 312. Which one could you see yourself pulling? You know, I still can't wrap my brain around this uh, Shane Vereen and Stephen Ridley comparison and uh, how Belichick's going to use them. You know, obviously we saw Ridley put together a, a big-time season last year, and he pounded the ball in the end zone. And, you know, we did see Vereen come on in the playoffs and, you know, put together uh, some, some good games and he played well against Baltimore. I, here, here's my take on it. I I think that Ridley, to me, is more in the 17 to 20 range in terms of running back rankings, and I have Vereen um, more in the 26 to 30 range. So I still think that Ridley is the play. I think that they both were drafted too high, especially Shane Vereen. I mean, I'm not just – I don't know if it's, if it's just uh, – you know, my preference, I think that he's going to have a good year. But we see this all the time. Everyone falls in love with a player in August, and everyone uh, talks about him every single day, and you see him all over the place. Uh, those big-time media outlets, they, they pick our brain, and then they go start talking about him. And now all of a sudden, a guy that you were getting in uh, round eight or nine in May, which is where I had I got Shane Vereen in the USA Today uh, magazine mock draft, is going in round three and four in August and September. So I think he's being overvalued right now when he was a sleeper three months ago, if that makes sense. Mike, Mike, can he, it does make sense. Mike, do you think he can be the next Dan Sproles? Because that's what everybody's kind of trying to compare him to, that he can catch that many balls out of the back, catch 50 balls, kind of take over for the, the Danny Woodhead role, be a better runner, running back than Danny Woodhead, relieve, relieve Ridley when he needs relief. And, and he's like to do it all right now. Everybody's saying, well, he's going he's gonna to get the work for Gronkowski being out. He's going to get some work for Hernandez being out. You never know if Amendola <laughs> goes out. Ridley, Vereen, uh, Vereen, Vereen, he gets all of it. Yeah, you know, you, you just never know who, who it's going to be uh, in that offense. So, uh, you know, that, that's an opportunity. Uh, but the one thing about I, – I, I've always said this, and I, I'll continue to say this uh, – I cannot stand drafting uh, New England Patriots, any player from that team, because it just uh, you, you just never know who it's going to be on which week. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right. Uh, Shane Vereen was just mentioned uh, on CBS, Will Brinson on the Adam Jones Show. He said Shane Vereen can be the X factor for Tom Brady. And that's what I think everybody's predicting for Shane Vereen, just kind of a do-it-all kind of guy that that is a part of the offense in every way possible. It, it would be amazing to me to see him – Work a third round pick. I mean, there's guys like Colston and Welker and Bo and Gore. I mean, these guys are perennial every single year. There's not really a lot of risk there. That's another guy I would like to bring up and get your feedback on, Mark uh, Frank Gore. Uh, at four eight, he was taken in this draft uh, by Mike Santos uh, as the RB two for his team. He started with C.J. Spiller, then went Julio Andre. Frank Gore. I like the pick. I think it made sense. The only other running backs on the board at that time were Giovanni Bernard, Eddie Lacy. Uh, you're starting to get into those Ryan Matthews types discussions. What do you think about Gore in the middle of the fourth round? He, he finishes with RB10 last year. Yeah, I, I think Frank Gore is being vastly underrated and undervalued right now. I mean, here's a guy, you know, I know he's been in the league since 2005, but last year, he put together 1,214 rushing yards on 4.7 yards per carry. That's the second most rushing yards of his career, dating back to 2006 when he had 1,695 yards, I believe. Frank Gore runs behind a very good offensive line and plays in a San Francisco offense with a coach in Harbaugh, which is probably one of the best masterminds in the game right now. I think Frank Gore is going to be a sure bet running back number two. I think he's going to end up in the 15-16 range, and that's excellent value for the guy who got him at, uh, you know, toward the end of round four. I know there's an injury uh, risk uh, with him concerning his age and, and the fact that he's only played uh, 16 games, I think, three times in his career. But you got to remember, guys, he's played 16 games in each of the last two seasons as well. Well, Mark, uh, first off, I'm a Frank Gore lover. I mean, I, I love the guy, and uh, I've got him in a couple of dynasty leagues, and I'm going to hang on to him. Uh, but I, I, the, the only question I have with Frank Gore is uh, Colin Kaepernick and the way he runs and the way he does 
the offense, the way Harbaugh has uh, coached Kaepernick to do the offense, don't you think that uh, is going to limit Gore a little bit? Yeah, it could to a certain extent. I mean, I know when Kaepernick took over at the end of last year, you know, Gore's yard per carry averages changed, and he um, didn't hit as many, you know, I think he had 100 yards three of his first seven games, and then he never got over 85 yards in any game after week 11. But the carries and the touches were still there, guys. I mean, I, I think, you know, the first game that – uh, Kaepernick was a starter was week 12 against the Saints and Gore had 19 carries in that game then he had 23 carries against the Rams the next week he had 12 against Miami and they were blowing them out 21 against New England 20 against Arizona in week 17 so I don't know if that's a matter of you know kind of the wear and tear getting to him at the end of the year where his yard per carry average went down but the touches were still there I mean he was averaging close to 20 touches a game in weeks that Kaepernick was a starting quarterback Another uh, another uh, another good insight there by Mark Vigley from BrunoBoys.com. Aaron Rodgers was the first quarterback off the board at 5-1. Drew Brees at 5-2. Math is a big part of fantasy football, Mark. Are the high-stakes players missing the boat on the math of fantasy football by taking Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees too late? Well... If they know that everyone is going to sit there and wait on quarterbacks, then you're taking the risk of maybe you don't get the guy you want if you for sure want, you know, Rodgers or Breeze, but you you don't want to draft them early. But you look at it in this case, you know, no one took a quarterback until round five. So, you know, then it just becomes where what is too early for a quarterback and what is too late, right? So I'd say, you know, the points are going to be there, but – you know, it's, it's a matter of knowing your competition and kind of knowing how some of the best high-stakes guys in the industry think. So, you know, I would say that it's one of those – what's that? Let me put it this way. If you're on the clock and you're drafting and nobody seems to be taking a quarterback, at about what point in the draft are you going to pull the trigger? Me personally, I'm going to probably if, – if I see Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees on the board at the end of round three or the start of round four, uh, regardless of who my competition is, I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger. And I know there's a lot of good quarterbacks, and I know that, you know, it, it's deeper than it's been uh, pretty much ever. But still, you have Brees, you have Rodgers, you get those guaranteed, you know, 252 scores, and Brees' case, 302 scores. I mean, that's a – a pretty good starting point um, each and every week. So, you know, I think that they probably could have been drafted earlier and might have made some team better, but I can see where, you know, guys are just sitting around waiting for someone to take the first one and then the run starts. Yeah. Well, I you know what, Mark, I don't think a run's going to start. I think – I. You know, I think you'll see a quarterback in, in a round five, a quarterback in a round uh, six, and that's pretty much going to be about it for me. I mean, that's the way I see a lot of drafts going. I mean, the, the, you got your special two, and that's pretty much it. And then they're, they're just going to wait around. Yeah. Ryan, I mean, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I mean, that's a good point that you bring up. I mean – and then you really have to say with the special two, though, you know, can you throw Peyton Manning in there as the third guy? I mean, his, his stats uh, prove yeah. that it, it can be done. Mark Miller yeah, from BrunoBoys.com, you also are very high. If you go over to the website at BrunoBoys.com, there's a very nice sleeper section you guys have there. I love using it. I like to go there and look at it by position and, and uh, check it out because you guys give us like six or seven at each position. T.Y. Hilton was named as a sleeper for you, and he went 5-12 in this league. Would you be comfortable taking T.Y. Hilton ahead of guys like Deshaun Jackson, uh, Kenny Britt, uh, Stevie Jones, Greg Jennings, Miles Austin, those guys? Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting you say that because when you look at sleepers and you look at undervalued, overvalued players, you know, you see a lot of things changing uh, even from the time that you released the article. And, you know, T.Y. Hilton is a prime example 
in which, uh, you know, now all of a sudden um, his ADP is so high, which we like to do a lot of uh, rankings off of ADP, that at what point do we have to take him off this list? I'd still keep him here. I think that he is uh, an undervalued player. I, I feel that Indianapolis is going to put together another big year. You know, some of the guys that you mentioned, I like T.Y. Hilton over Kenny Britt. I like T.Y. Hilton over Greg Jennings. Um, and I, I just think that the Colts are going to score points. And, you know, Reggie Wayne, towards the end of last year, uh, started to slide. And I think over the first maybe seven or eight weeks, he was wide receiver six. And then over the last seven or eight weeks, he was like wide receiver 40, I want to say. And T.Y. Hilton was like wide receiver 12 or 13 during that span. Now, does that mean that it's going to stay the same this year? Absolutely not. But I think that Hilton is – if you can get Hilton in round seven or after, you have good value. And, and we, we all know, uh, Scott, it, that there's so many different levels of fantasy players out there that it just depends on your draft. You know, hey, a draft with me, you, um, Mike, and, you know, a bunch of other guys that, you know, breed uh, – and live and breathe this, it's going to be a lot different than a draft uh, like I'm having tomorrow night in a family league in which uh, it's going to be me and about four other guys that play and seven guys that are brand new to fantasy football, but they just want to be there for the party and they're part of the family. Right. So, you know, it's a, it, that draft can be a lot different than, you know, an industry draft or a high staff totally. draft where someone's invested a couple thousand bucks into it. Oh, oh, yeah, it'll be totally, totally different, a lot more fun, a lot more laid back, and kick back a few brews. That's a, that's some fantasy draft that I love going to. <laughs> I have one on Sunday myself. And, you know, you're, you're exactly right on the sleepers article. You can put out a sleeper today, and then tonight it, it's already over. And it's, it's almost irrelevant. You know, one of our one of our high-stakes pros that we're, we're pushing our preseason pro we're releasing our preseason pros uh, content over at FFToolbox.com. Tim Dano has tried to give me a stash and cast player for the last couple of weeks, and every time he puts one out and we're getting ready to release the article, the guy breaks out and does something, or he gets word in camp, and it's like, you know, it started with Ken Brough Tompkins, and then he, then he moves to Jordan Cameron, Jordan Cameron breaks out, then it's Zach Sunfeld, and Sunfeld just makes big catches tonight, you know, and it's like he's getting so mad that, you know, the timing is everything, but finally, <laughs> Talk about Bruno boys. What you guys going have going on right now, and and what where they can find you. You can find us at BrunoBoys.com or BrunoBoys.net. Uh, we're like uh, Fantasy Football Toolbox in a lot of ways. We offer free uh, up to the minute Fantasy Football advice, rankings, sleepers, bust, dynasty rankings, keeper rankings, and pretty much everything and anything you need to help you win uh, and be successful in fantasy football. We're going to offer you. We have a pretty nice community. Uh, in which you could go in, ask questions. We'll answer the questions for you. A lot of uh, users in there doing it. You can check that out at brunoboys.net slash forum, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, all at brunoboys, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, just trying to give the fans what they want and what they need, and that's uh, good, educated, thought-out advice to make you successful on draft day and in season. And you guys are doing it. And also, you, you had something you wanted to tell me. had something to do with Rollable. Oh, that's right, guys. Um, if, you're, if you're out there listening, you play in the Roto Bowl or you want to get started with it, I'm going to be in the Roto Bowl draft on Wednesday, August 28th at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Look forward to uh, you know playing in Roto Bowl, taking on um, some of the other uh, you know fantasy football junkies out there and competing with them and learning a little bit more about how they draft and uh, seeing how they stack up against me. It'll be exciting to get yeah, it'll be exciting to get the Bruno Boys community uh, playing in Roto, Roto Bowl, and I'm sure they're going to want to take you on. Mark, you're welcome back anytime, man. We'll talk to you on Twitter, buddy. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, always a pleasure uh, having me on, and I uh, really appreciate it. Have yourself a good night. Hey, thanks. Thanks thanks a lot, Mark. All right, that was Mark Cavigli from BrunoBoys.com, Mike, and we want to break down the Dynasty waivers. We're going to jump right in. He's going to, Mark's going to be participating in Roto Bowl. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's take a look at the waivers now that we broke down that draft from SiriusXM. We're going to try to see what's happening in these leagues. So let's go ahead and pull it up. Sure enough, Kenny Stills is going for $31 tonight in Dynasty League 1 at the Dynasty Football World Championship. Dropped Joe Morgan. Sean Green was picked up for 21 Jason Avant. You know, Avant's a guy, 5 for 50. It seems like he can always get you. He has a What's that? I'm tired of dealing with Jason Avant. I'm, I really am. I hear you. Another league, Kenny Stills again, the top option at $71. Chris Polk 
picked up by Invictus, the Dynasty soundtrack, for $33. That's a guy you might want to keep your eye on because it doesn't look like Felix Jones. He may be in danger of uh, getting cut uh, the way Chris Polk is playing. you got Bryce Brown and LaShawn McCoy. I think Chris Polk takes that job as the number three running back. Lance Dunbar for $12. I think, you know, look, he's another guy that could be the RB2 behind DeMarco Murray, and we all know what kind of injury issues he has. So some interesting names getting picked up in the Dynasty Football World Championship. Kenny Stills, again, looks like in League 3, going for $10. McCluster for 9 Austin Collie for 2 bucks. That's interesting. And Alex Smith for $12, Mike. Yeah, it, it... Alex Smith, I, you know, why not? Uh, Austin Collie, I, I can't do that. Concussion man can't do that. But, uh, you know, I mean, for the, for the amount of money they're spending, hey, why not? Yeah, that's what we uh, we want to take a look at, how much they're actually spending. Uh, another league, not a lot of action at all. Marquez Wilson for Chicago gets picked up for a dollar. He actually looks pretty good, actually, for one of the rookies that you may not be picking up just because his name looks a little funny. Marquez Wilson. Kenny Stills for a dollar in League Five. Nobody grabbing Kenny Stills for a buck. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Rivers goes for a dollar too. That's amazing how far uh, how far he falls with all those injuries. We're looking at League Six now. Austin Collie gets picked up for twenty five dollars. Daniel Thomas for six. Mercedes Lewis for a dollar. League Seven. Week seven, we have Mike Vick getting picked up for $52. Marquise Goodwin for Buffalo, another speedster, $17. Ankerson for five. Ladarius Green picked up for $5. I like that pick. But, again, in the Dynasty Football World Championship, they're 20-man rosters. You don't have a lot of room for, for stashing and playing later. You've got to really pick right. your plays right. and, and your players wisely. So, uh, Zach Sudfield picked up in round in League Eight, Mike, for twenty-five dollars. Zach Sudfeld, player dropped finally. Aaron Hernandez, they finally got around to dropping him. That's interesting. Zach Sudfeld did make a couple of big pitches tonight in League Nine. Brian Quick for seven dollars. Ladarius Green for six dollars. Kenny Stills for two bucks. In League Ten, we have Brandon Whedon picked up for forty-one dollars. Hey, that's almost his age. He's forty bucks. Any forty? Rashad Jennings for twenty-seven. Joe Morgan was picked up for $27. I don't know what's going on there. And Kenny Stills for $21. So Kenny Stills seems to be the hot name, man. He, he, he's a hot name. Uh, Scott, real quick, uh, I've got a couple of uh, couple good friends around here uh, listening to the show, and they're really curious about the Roto Bowl. And I told them to, uh, you know, check out uh, check out Toolbox and uh, see what happens. Uh just real quick before the uh, end of the show, uh, give us a brief recap of the, the Roto Bowl and how it works. Sure. Ninth year for Roto Bowl. You can go to rotobowl.com. Very easy. The Roto Bowl Fantasy Football Championship in their ninth year, $279 entry fee, Mike. It is the entry fee and the entry point into the high stakes leagues. A lot of people ask me, Scott, how did you get into high stakes? Well, I jumped two feet in and started year one when the first thing was created by Emil and Lenny at the World Championship. But a lot of folks like to get in with uh, winning a satellite league or winning a rollable. And if you win a rollable league, you can take your choice of the cash, which you can win up to $2,150 in your league, or you can take a main event entry. just depends on how well you do. It's a 13-week regular season, best it's a head-to-head league, so you're, you you want to either be, have a great record or score a lot of points. Either way, the top four teams are advancing to the championship round where we have a $25,000 grand prize, Mike. So you can draft in Vegas with us. It's, all, it's one of the very few tournaments that you can, uh, for a mid-stage contest, you can draft in Vegas at the Fantasy Football World Championships live at the Mirage on opening weekend, or you can draft on, online from home, Mike. It's a lot of fun. We're having it. We're having an absolute blast. We'd rather have, we'd, we'd rather have everybody in Vegas. What's that? I said we we would rather have everybody in Vegas, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They have fun. But look, there's a lot of guys playing uh, the Roto Bowl. Jim Day in the in the chat room. Fantasy Taz is in it. Scott Engel for Roto Experts. The entire yeah. crew. Doctor Roto. Adam Rodas, the the fantasy executive. Tomorrow night. There are two spots left in the Roto Experts draft with Scott Engel. Sunday night, the fantasy executive stops in with Joe Jefferson from BFD. They're in that draft. And then Monday, Mike Mike Clay from Pro Football Focus is going. And then just like you heard here, Mark Cavigli from Bruno Boys. Wednesday the 28th 
at 10 p.m., Mike. It's going to be a lot of fun. Tony Sincata signed up today for Roto Experts. Tony Sincata will be there. So on Wednesday the 4th. Mike, we're almost out of time, dude. I want to tell everybody. I love it, man. Have a good show. I'm going to be on, I'm going to be on Sirius XM with Tony Sincata tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., Saturdays and Sundays, starting this weekend for the rest of the fantasy season. For everybody, this is Scott. For Mike, last last words, Mikey? Hey, man, go be blue. Oh, God. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.